Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, it is rainy outside. I get it. There is an abundance of black clothes this morning. So everybody's just really channeling these brutal winters that we're having here. So it is, uh, it's good to be here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor at South Hills here in Costa Mesa. We're a family of churches, and, uh, and uh, we're excited to have you here, uh, whether you call South Hills your home or you are visiting. Um, and uh, also, for those of you that are watching online, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it is a rainy weekend, and so yesterday, we happened to have one of those days where there wasn't really anything on the calendar. And so we just vegged out all day long. And we, uh, we had breakfast, and at first I offered to make breakfast, and then I got really lazy, and so I just went and bought breakfast and brought it back home, and we stayed in pajamas all day, and um, we filled up an air mattress in our living room, and we watched movies, and the kids played video games, and we just, I mean, it was, uh, it was a great day. I hope you had a good day yesterday, too. I don't want to make you jealous. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good time, but we watched two different movies yesterday. Um, one earlier in the day uh, with the boys, and then my wife and I, Ez and I, we watched one last night. Um, and it's kind of crazy to watch m- multiple movies in a day. You just, like, notice different things. And the first one that we watched was kind of like a popcorn flick. It was an Avengers movie, and it was not really uh, critically. People didn't uh, talk really highly of it, um, but we... Loved it. It was great. It was so fun. It had all the elements of a story and a movie that you want, and the highs and the lows and the challenges and the twists and the turns, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and and it was such a fun uh, journey to go on. Uh, And then the second movie that we watched later last night, so that was The Marvels, and then last night, uh, later in the evening, we watched a movie called uh, Self-Reliance, I believe it is, and it's like an indie film, and uh, uh, the critics loved it. Uh, it didn't have like a big theatrical release or anything because it's an indie film, you know, and so critics always love the indie films and I was excited to watch it and there's a lot of people in it that I like as actors and so as and I, we watched this movie and, and then the movie ended and we were like, huh, I, I mean, it, it wasn't bad. You guys ever seen a movie like that where it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't really feel anything. Uh, it was fine. Uh, it helped me pass an hour and a half of my life. You know, luckily it was one of the short indie films, not one of the three-hour indie films. Um, but it's interesting because we all have seen movies like this. We've all had these experiences where one is like this crazy journey, and you're, you know, maybe literally or maybe just kind of metaphorically on the edge of your seat. Uh, and then the other stories are these ones that it's like, okay, yeah, okay, there, yeah, I saw that happen. Like, yeah, I, did, I kind of expected that. Okay, oh, and it's over. And everything, okay. And that's just it. And it's interesting as you look at the idea of stories about the journey that they can take you on, the the journey that that stories can have, and the journey that the best stories can have. I would imagine that if I talk to you about some of your favorite movies, there is a part or a scene or a moment in those movies where you're just like, I had no idea what was going to happen, or I was not expecting that. 
or there's this crazy breakthrough. One of the funny things about the Marvel movies that we talked about, and, and I can't remember, I saw this video, it was a YouTube video, uh, kind of this like, you know, funny skit video, and it talked about how all the best movies in the world have like a preparation scene, like where people are training. You know, every Rocky movie, the best part of any Rocky movie is the training sequences, uh, or, or these moments where they're like getting ready, and you're like, yes, I know what's going to happen, you know, so there's this moment where it's like, yes, they're getting ready, they're, they're about to go do this thing, and and you, can, you know, like, it's going to be tough, and there's going to be some twists and turns, but, but we're in this with them. And, and then the second movie that we watched, it just didn't have any of that. It was just like this really bizarre, flat journey. Highly recommend them both. Uh, no. Um, so there is a guy named Joseph Campbell, and he wrote about uh, what he calls the hero's journey. And this is a framework that screenwriters and uh, authors, novelists, People have used this framework for all of the stories for decades and decades and decades. And there's a lot of different versions of it. His is like this crazy, like 40-point process that every good story has to have. There's some that are as simple as four steps. There's a lot of different versions of it. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about this with you guys, because I think it's important for us to recognize these moments that all of our favorite stories, all of the best stories, all of the stories that mean the most to us as individuals, they all have these specific types of moments in them. Again, whether this is TV, movies, books, whatever it might be. So let's go to this next slide. Uh, first off, I just want to show you kind of and point out the, um, there, on the top half of this circle is the known world. This is kind of everything that you know, your, your context, what you're familiar with. And then on the bottom half of that line is the unknown world. Um, and do I need to explain that? It's, it's the stuff that you don't know about, uh, the twists and turns and surprises. Uh, and so you leave on this adventure. There's some sort of call to adventure. There's some sort of invitation to, to explore, to go on a journey, to experience something. Uh, you know, maybe this is Frodo uh, Baggins and um, Gandalf, and he's inviting him to go and, and be a part of this grand adventure. Maybe it's uh, Luke Skywalker who is sitting in a cave with his weird uncle uh, or, you know, this, this random guy in the desert or whatever it might be. There's these call to adventure, and then there's also assistance and allies. There's these people, helpers, um, kind of wise sages sometimes. Maybe it's just a traveling partner. Frodo had Bilbo. Does anybody here like Lord of the Rings? Am I just the only nerd? Okay, a couple other nerds. Great. Um, you know, there's, there's these different people with Luke Skywalker. All my examples are nerdy examples. Uh, let me go sports. Um, Rocky Balboa had his cousin. <laughs> I know. Uh, Apollo Creed, he had the coach, he had these different people that were helping him uh, prepare and go on this journey and encourage him. So assistants and allies, and then at some point they have to cross this threshold from what is comfortable, what they know, what they are aware of, what they feel capable of navigating on their own, into this unknown world, into this giant question mark, into this reality that, man, I'm out here. I'm exposed. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I've got the skills that I need. I don't know if I really even understand like, what the actual plan is at this point. So you cross the threshold into the unknown. You face different enemies and trials. I will break you. You know, uh, Ivan Drago. And then at some point, there are these supreme ordeals. Now, we have the, the benefit of looking at this story in full. 
and some of our favorite movies, we know exactly what happens. But when you're living out these stories in real time, or when you're watching the movie for the first time, or reading the book for the first time, you don't really know, like, is this, is this the big baddie? Or are there greater evils? Are there bigger villains? Are there bigger problems? And so you're navigating enemies, trials, challenges, struggles in your life. And at some point, there is this massive ordeal, this ultimate fight. And we have this decision in those moments. We have this decision to either overcome and fight this battle and become fully alive, or we can succumb or be defeated or... or Uh, be overwhelmed, overcome, give up, flee, and we can become what one of my favorite authors calls the living dead. And I don't mean that in a true zombie sense, but the sense of, no, I'm not going to rise up, and I'm just going to continue walking this journey. I'm not going to fight this battle. I'm not going to push forward. I'm not going to give everything I have to overcome this enemy, this obstacle, this challenge. So there's a supreme ordeal, and then there's some sort of reward and revelation, some sort of learning, and then there's a road back, and you end up with the hero's return, and what happens in this experience, and that what happens in these movies, and what happens in your life is when you go through these things, the road back, when you come back home to the place that you've known, you have experienced some sort of change, and you come back to a place that has not. And some of you guys have felt that. Some of you guys have gone home. Uh, Maybe you remember when you were in college and and you traveled back home during the holidays and you're like, man, this is weird. It is all the same. And it is different for me. Or maybe there's friendships that you've known after years. We just had some really, really close friends move back home to New York, upstate New York. They moved back home in the middle of a blizzard. That's perfect. (laughs) And they were really clear, and these are mentors of ours, they're so much smarter than we are, and they were really clear in their decision to do this. They said, even if nothing is the same as we remember it, we still want to be there. And they, they had this awareness that we have changed. It's been 20 years since we've lived there, but we're going back. We will be different, and it could be the same, it could be different, but either way, we know what we're getting into. So there is this journey that we all go on. There's this journey that all of the best movies follow. The best novels, the best stories, even children's stories, they, they all follow this journey. And what I just want uh, to invite us to recognize today, and I'm going to jump into the story of Nehemiah, which we've been looking at, but you and I all have the opportunity, the decision, the choice to live a good story or to become the living dead. You and I, each day, in small moments, and in the journey of our lives, we have the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to find the the people, the allies, the assistants. I'm going to step into the unknown. I'm going to keep navigating the small battles and the big battles, and ultimately there's going to be a thing, or for some of us, a seemingly endless number of things, big enemies, supreme ordeals. And instead of just like folding or walking away or just saying, you know what, I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to go back to school for my degree, or 
I'm not going to fight for this marriage. Or I'm not going to fight to dig myself out of this massive amount of debt. Or I'm not going to fight to have this internal dream that I have come fully alive. Instead of facing those battles, we just say, you know what? I'm just going to keep walking the journey. I'm going to go back home and I will be unchanged. And I will continue walking around in the circle. We all have this choice. When we think about our lives in the lens of stories, we have to recognize that obviously we serve a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he has given you individually, and he has given me agency. We are co-writers of our stories, and we get to decide when do we fold? When do we give up? When do we tap out? We are living a story, and we get to decide if it's a good story or not. We get to decide if it's like the first movie that we watched, which was thrilling and fun and exciting and engaging, or if it was like the second movie that we watched, which felt like we were just kind of watching someone who had given up, the living dead. We get to decide what kind of story we live. Nehemiah's story is full of this exact map. We talked about in the beginning of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. He had no power, no influence, no real strength or skill other than tasting the king's wine to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. So he was not some glorious guy. Um, and so he had this, this dream, this passion, this desire, calling, whatever you want to call it, to go and rebuild the walls of this city that he loves. And he has no reason to think that he should be able to or that he has the skills to be able to do it, but he has this desire. And he's terrified because he has no right to ask for time off from the king, but he does. He asks the king, can I go and pursue this dream, pursue this desire, and the king says yes, so he goes. And, and last week, we looked at how he got to Jerusalem. And before he told anybody what he's going to do, he goes and he explores. He looks around to see what is happening. What does the wall look like? What state are things in? And he takes time to explore and look and, and kind of investigate what's happening. And then finally decides, this is what I'm going to do. And he makes this announcement. He says, we're going to rebuild the walls of our city. And everyone is pumped. They're like, we're with you. We're going to do this with you. And so he's got the call to adventure. He's got the assistance and the allies. He crossed the threshold into the unknown world. He goes to Jerusalem, to Judah, and he, and he looks at this thing that he had only heard stories of what it looked like. And he goes and he explores it. And so what comes next? An easy road? No. You guys know that. You've all had dreams. You've all had things you've wanted to pursue. There are enemies and trials. And this is what Nehemiah begins to face. And I want us to learn from Nehemiah's story, from his life. And I want us to be able to apply these things to our lives, whether it is a small dream or a desire, whether, whether it's a life calling, whether it's a passion, whether it's a hobby that you want to pursue, a new project that is just for fun, or maybe it's going to change the world. We can apply these learnings. And so I want to look at this story. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. You guys with me? Yes. Oh, 
I like it. <laughs> Nehemiah 4, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Sanballat is the first enemy. Everybody say Sanballat. Sanballat. Yes, it's not Sanballat. Uh, he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Because remember, they didn't just tear down the wall. They burnt out the gates. They burnt down the city. Tobiah, the Ammonite, you know, his little peon, the guy just laughs kind of evilly. The, the comic relief, if you will, but he's still a bad guy. He was standing beside him, remarks, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't write the story, you guys. This is just the Bible. I'm just reading it to you. So the, the first thing that happens, the first enemy, the first resistance, the first obstacle is really something that we all face. It's this idea of doubt. It's this, this question of like, okay, I am going to do this. And then as soon as you decide to do this, it's like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? And these are external voices for Nehemiah, but a lot of us have these maybe even louder internal voices, the questions of, man, I want to live a different way, but then I come face to face with people that are living maybe a way that seems more fun in the moment, at least. I want to use my finances a different way, but but all of my friends are doing this. I, I want to pursue this dream or this desire, but this seems like it's a little bit of a more flat, paved road that I can walk along easily. There's this doubt that we start to wrestle with. Sometimes others question us. Sometimes we question ourselves. Who do you think you are? Did I make the right choice? Do I have what it takes? Is this even possible? Can I keep this up? We wrestle with this. You and I all do. I've wrestled with this so many times in my life. It has become more of a traveling companion than an enemy that pops up randomly. I, I don't have a solution for you. It's just an enemy. You got to fight it. You got to learn its, its attacks. You have to learn what it says to you. The, the questions of doubt that start to pop up, they usually have to do with some of your biggest insecurities. They have to do with things that have, you've gone through in the past. And you have to start to remind yourself of the truth, of who you are, of whose you are. <laughs> that you are a child of the Most High God. That it's actually not about your strength or your ability or your skill or your wisdom, but it's about this partnership that we have with the creator of the universe to navigate life and relationships and challenges. The story goes on in verse 7. It says, when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites, be impressed, heard the word that work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. The second thing that we face after we start to navigate through our doubts, and these don't necessarily come in order, but they can, is resistance. When you decide, I've talked about this before, when you decide as an individual, you know what? I'm going to get healthy. You would assume that everybody around you is like, 
that's great. I'm excited for you. Maybe some of you guys decided to do dry January. And maybe some of you guys had friends who said, uh, well, I'll see you in February. <laughs> maybe some of you guys have decided to do the, uh, the carnivore diet. Maybe some of you guys have decided, I'm going to go to counseling, and I'm going to start working through my issues. Maybe some of you guys have experienced family members that appreciate the way that things are currently, and they don't want to have to learn a new way to relate to you. Maybe they don't want to have to look at themselves in the mirror when they realize that you are becoming healthy, you are pursuing a dream, you are stepping out on an adventure, and, and they're just not moving at all. And so there's resistance that comes up. Depending on your dream, maybe, there, maybe there's actual resistance. Maybe you're trying to change the company that you work for. Maybe you're trying to change something in the city that you live in or the county. And there are people that don't want it to change. Or they think that what you are doing is the wrong thing and they have a different agenda, a different method, a different action. We all come up against resistance because change is difficult and convenient and frustrating. We run into physical roadblocks, emotional roadblocks, relational ones. It doesn't happen as fast as we'd like. People all of a sudden are rooting for us to fail. It's brutal. The story goes on in verse 10. It says, then the people of Judah began to complain. Remember, this is the people that Nehemiah had said, hey, let's rebuild the walls of this city. We love this city. Let's, let's make this happen. Yeah, we're in. And then they start to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there is so much rubble to be moved. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but this is hard. This is challenging. We thought it would be done, but it's taking some time. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. And meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who live near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. A lot of times there's fallout. There's fallout from, you know, in the relationships, uh, with your family, with your friendships. There's fallout just internally. The, the voice that is saying other people could do this. You can't. You shouldn't. Do you recognize what's going to happen if you do this? Do you recognize what's going to happen if you put time or effort or energy or resources into this? You shouldn't do this. People don't like your decision. They sever relationships. They don't like the way that you've reorganized your life or your schedule or your finances. You're tempted to give up because the cost feels too high. And so as the opposition begins to come in on this journey, this adventure, this story that you are living, you have you have a choice. You have the option or the, the ability to make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to call it quits. I'm going to head back. I'm sure I can get my job back as the cupbearer. I'm sure I can go back to, you know, whatever it was before. Or you can say, I'm going to lean in because I know that this is something that I want to do, that I need to do, that I have to do. I have a desire or a dream or a calling or whatever it might be. And you can recenter 
on that first calling that you feel like you had, you can remember, you know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to this thing that I, that I heard, this voice that I heard inside. So the story goes on in chapter four, it says, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. This is Nehemiah writing. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. And then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. It's very brave heart. Fight! Paint your face blue. The whole movie. I mean, it's like, who doesn't want to be a part of that story? Right? That is the story that we all love. That is who we all want to be. Not William Wallace specifically, but we want to be the one that says, no, it's worth it. Let's fight. Whatever the cost, it's worth it for this dream, this calling, this this thing that has been put inside of you. That's who we want to be. Building a better tomorrow requires that you have a system for saying no today, for saying no to the doubt, for saying no when the fallout seems too tempting, for saying no to these things that continue to come up. We we have to have a system. We have to have a framework. We have to be able to confidently say no to the distractions and the detractors and, and the enemies, even the scary ones. We have to have this system. Practically speaking, I want to give you guys just a few things, and we're going to continue with this story. (coughs) Here's four ways to think about coming up with a system to say no. This first one is kind of a fragment of an idea that I heard someone say, so let me explain it. If you don't want to do it today, don't do it. Now, I heard someone talk about this in relation to making plans or agreeing to do things, and they said, yeah, would you ever come and... um, and I don't, I don't know if these examples are going to make sense. Would you be willing to come and, and speak to this group of people? And in my mind, I don't really want to. <laughs> don't tell me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, one day, because maybe I'll feel like it next week or in two months. Uh, would you be willing to help support this cause or... Or would you be willing to to focus some of your energy or your time or your resources or whatever it might be? And so sometimes we think like, yeah, I bet I will. And we won't. (laughs) If you don't feel like doing it today, if you don't feel excited, if you don't feel clear that this is what you should be doing today, then you probably just shouldn't do it. But we don't like to say no to people. It's hard. I don't like to say no to people. And so we also have to learn how to prioritize our needs over other people's wants. And again, it's a hard thing to do. But the reality is, is that we have to figure out how do I prioritize my needs over others' wants. And it doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It doesn't mean that you always have to say no. It doesn't mean that you don't ever give of yourself. Obviously, we are called to give of ourselves. But if we don't care for ourselves, we will have nothing to give. And so how do you prioritize your needs over others' wants? The third one is to pursue respect over popularity. This is maybe not something that everybody wrestles with, but I say yes to most things because I want people to like me. Not because it's what I'm great at. Not because it's what I 
love doing, not because I feel like I'm the right person for it. I just, I want people to like me. Can I tell you something that I learned over the last few years? I wasn't, I didn't plan this, so bear with me. I might pull this for second service. Uh, I learned that I am not a good preacher for other churches. I'm not a good preacher for other people. And that's okay. I love this church. I love these people. And there's like a relational thing that we have that works. But when I go to other places, every single time I'm like, well, probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) But I've got friends that asked me to speak for them. And they have spoken for me and they do a great job. And so I want to be able to repay the favor. And so I have to literally now, I, I have these really intense, hey, I'm happy to do this because I love you, I love your community, I love your whatever it is, and I'd love to be able to help out. But I just, I want to be very clear. I would be doing this as a favor to you, and I just want you to know, like, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm always the right person to do this. It's just a weird thing that I've been learning. I, I have to make sure I'm not just saying yes because I want them to like me. I'm saying yes because this is the thing that I feel called to do, the, the journey, the story that I'm writing. And the last thing is to just be clear. And this is maybe the one that I'm the worst at. I'll say no with a thousand words. <laughs> oh, that sounds so cool. That's exactly what I would like to be a part of. That's definitely something that I would want to, let me just check my schedule. Let me just, you know, We just need to, we need to learn how do we become more and more clear. We have to have a system for saying no to the distractions, to the doubt, to the fallout. We have to have a system. We have to have a plan because these things are going to happen because you are living an amazing story. And there will be resistance. You will face doubt. And if you aren't facing doubt or experiencing tension or resistance, then you should probably start doing something different. Story goes on. Nehemiah, obviously faced with doubt, resistance, and fallout, and so he decides, I need to recenter. We're skipping ahead a couple chapters. There's a little bit that's gone on, nothing crucial to the story, but we don't have time to read every verse. It says, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, And the rest of our enemies, I mean, this is quite a crew. They found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained. Though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates, so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono, which should be a real tip of whether this is a good decision or not. Oh, no. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. It is almost done. He's just got to put the doors on the fence. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, let's grab coffee. I know we've said a lot of bad things, but can you just come and, and spend some time with us? And, and this, what he says next, is so crucial. And what he says next, I think, should be your memory verse for the year. And it's pretty easy. What he says next solves so many problems. It answers so many questions. It pushes back against the doubt 
and the resistance and the detractors and the questions and the fallout and all of these different things. What he says next will help you as you are committed to saying, I want to work through my financial reality this year. But all of a sudden, you have all of these opportunities come up. It'll help you when you say, you know what, I'm going to, to invest in my relationship or in my marriage because I know that we are not at 100%, and if I don't start doing it now, we're going to end up in a worse place. It'll help you when you are in year six of school and you're wondering, why am I even doing this? I should just give up now. It'll help you when you are in the stage of parenting when you have an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old and they are just so delightful all the time and, and you just want to give up because I don't even know how to do this. This verse is such a beautiful, helpful, powerful verse that when you are at whatever stage you are at in your amazing story and adventure that you are writing, that you are living, this will help you push through the enemies and the obstacles, the challenges. They ask him to meet up. Would you hang out with us? Nehemiah knows it's not going to go well. So he sends a message to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I will not give time to the doubt. I will not come down from the work that I am doing to appease the people who are uncomfortable because of the goals, or the desires, or the passions that I have. I will not come down from this ladder because it seems really exciting or tempting to pursue these other fun things because there is a story that I am writing, and it is incredible. I am doing a great work. I have no idea how to do it. I have no idea how to build a wall and hang gates. I have no idea how to parent a 12-year-old. I have no idea how to fix a marriage. I have no idea how to resolve issues in my family. I have no idea how to start a company. I have no idea how to but I do know that I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. This is the invitation for us. This is the plan that we get to put in place. It's to remember and to recognize that you are writing a great story. You are living a great story. And it ceases to be great when you come down. When you get off the ladder, when you stop fighting the enemies, when you give in to the doubt, when you look at the fallout and you're like, man, I just, I can't believe that it's not going smoothly. I can't believe that everything's not working out perfect. When you start to believe that you should just stop. And again, these are, whether it's small things, habits, goals, resolutions, big plans, big changes, whatever it might be, I can't give every example. But I believe that you are doing a great work, and it would be a shame for you to come. 
He goes on, he says, why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Are you, is this more important than the work that I'm doing? Is spending time with the doubt and the fallout, the haters, whatever it is, is that more important? Why should I stop doing what is so important, even when it's hard and difficult and frustrating and maybe lonely? Why should I stop doing this to give time to the voices that tell me to stop? They didn't give up. They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. I mean, these guys really wanted to hang out. <laughs> they really wanted to just talk. And Eli just wasn't having it. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. The reality is, is we're three Sundays into the year. We are looking at all kinds of crazy stuff ahead, work stuff. I know there's people in here that are moving. There's career changes and career goals. There's families that are starting and moving into new stages. There's all kinds of stuff. And there will be so many times that on this hero's journey that you are facing enemies and problems and battles and challenges and doubt and fallout and all of these different types of things. And the invitation, what I want you to hold on to is a plan to be able to say no to those distractions, to be able to say no to those enemies, to be able to say no to those things and say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I will not give you the time. I will not give you access to my heart. I will not give you access to my brain to listen to your lies, to listen to you know, whatever these things are, these fears. This is what we're invited to do. You know all of the best stories. There is, a, there is a twist. There is a challenge. There is a villain that pops up out of nowhere or that you thought was dead and it came back. And all of the best stories. And it will happen in your stories I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. I'm going to push through. I'm going to keep hammering. I'm going to keep doing the work. I'm going to keep working the plan. This is the invitation that we are extending. This is what it means to choose to be fully alive. Or we can choose to become the living dead and Stop fighting the battles and allow life and doubters and fears and all these things just to keep us walking the paved path back home. I believe that we can do this. I believe that you can do this. And in the moments when you realize that you are outgunned and outmanned and overwhelmed, you can remember what Nehemiah remembered, that we serve a great God. He is with us as we, as we pursue these things. Let's, let's pray together.
Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.